This episode is a two-for-one special. We talked to both Tank of New Orleans band Tank and the Bangers, as well as Nina and Lou from London platform Women in Jazz. Nina and Lou, with their radio show, music industry workshops and live gigs, have been making huge strides to balance out gender representation in jazz. Meanwhile, Tank and the Bangers who performed at this year's Love Supreme Jazz Festival have been stunning people with their live shows, gaining loads of attention since winning the 2017 NPR Tiny Desk Concert. Women in Jazz interviewed Tank in front of a live audience in the Jazz Lounge at this year's festival, getting into all kinds of deep chats and creating some massive laughs. She was an amazing interviewee, so to start off this podcast right, we talked to Nina and Lou about their mission and what it was like to interview the hugely charismatic Tank before listening to the live interview in full. Enjoy. Have a nice shout out, Love Supreme. Yeah, um, in the artist village, surrounded by uh, inspiring people, and two of those inspiring people are yourselves, Lou and Nina. How's your day so far? It's, do you know what? It's beautiful. It's about six o'clock. The sun is finally out, um, and we're having a glorious day. Saw oh, Tendalonius earlier. Absolutely magical. So it's just been a great weekend of amazing talent. Judy Jackson. Totally, and and again, like it because it's a really lovely atmosphere at Love Supreme Festival. You just bump into people; everyone's in a good mood. You meet new friends, you meet your old ones. It's just it's beautiful. And and as Lou said, there've been some real top highlights that it's just been a blessing to see. Really, Mahalia was great just now. Oh yeah, as well. There's totally. lo- there's a real kind of there's many different artists from different places I feel this time last year was very different but I feel like it, they've broadened out in terms of genre this year yeah genre's been really wide and also in terms of different artists at different stages of their careers as well like we've yeah. uh, in terms of discovery there's been um, at the bandstand and bands and voices stage we were saying bands and voices have been vibey bands and voices Love really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. on Friday yeah. she's a amazing talent I'm sad to have missed but you know I went in they were doing the cha-cha slide earlier like even those like <laughs> interme- the I know plus of the plus of those <laughs> intermediate you know sessions between artists you know everyone's in a groove there I'm enjoying it amazing um, yeah. let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your um, interview that you did Tank and the Bangers because we're going to listen to that in full which is a total treat because it was so just like chatty and open-hearted and there seemed to be a lot of laughter and a lot of love for Tank and the Bangers both in her set and during the interview so tell us just a little bit about what it was like to to meet Tank and the Bangers. I think really we had no idea what to expect you know this is our first interview uh, in the in the jazz lounge as women in jazz so it was really exciting but Tank just brought something so unique and original to the stage she was so engaging um, you know, made the audience laugh every five, ten minutes. I mean, I had to even contain my laughter whilst interviewing her, but she brought so much wisdom and knowledge and she was so grounded in so many ways. And it was just so exciting hearing about her her musical journey, you know, from, from the start to where she is now. And, um, yeah, genuinely just such a pleasure to interview her. Yeah, I, th- I think... Um one of the feelings that I felt afterwards was totally fulfilled and you could also feel that everyone who'd been in that room accessed a part of Tank and a sense of permission to be whoever they were and continue in whatever that practice they wanted to do because Tank was so real. 
she offered all of herself or whatever felt right for her and for any artist to allow you into their world is such a such a trusting trusting thing to do and we just felt so lucky and what an amazing person to get to know beautiful and I know that everyone else that was watching felt really lucky as well to kind of see that um, you know really open uh, conversation like you said a very safe space really inclusive really um, yeah where a conversation can go in any direction it's a really nice feeling when when you see that in front of you um, and interviews like this are just like a really small part of what you guys actually do with women in jazz you are broadcasters you are promoters you are workshoppers like give us an overall kind of introduction as to what women in jazz is for anyone that's new to what you do and, and what the general ethos is beyond the obvious that we can gather from the title what, what are you all about yeah so as women in jazz we champion and nurture female artists across the UK and we do that through different strands and approaches so some of the strands are our live events our workshops and also our monthly radio residency at Soho Radio um, where we interview different guests they come in and something really exciting that we've just initiated in the radio show is also inviting different people to bring in their own mixes so um, going back a moment with the workshops we had three months of workshop series and those were focused on radio workshops, um, DJ skills and also music business. Now with the initiative of inviting new mixes from different people in the women in jazz community to come and be part of the Soho Radio mix, um, that's a way of bringing our participants forward and giving them progression routes to really harness the skills they've already had and access a wider audience and build their portfolios. Um, and then with the live events it's really booking that talent that's already happening and giving them greater visibility um, as well as nurturing them in the different parts of their careers. I think also with live events it's about finding new and upcoming emerging artists. I think at the moment there's a lot of amazing stuff happening in London and what we're really trying to focus on is uh, bringing in artists from different parts of the UK. Um, so the way that we're developing our Soho radio show at the moment is getting artists to send in tracks like new releases um, who are outside of the London area. Uh, and that's that's really exciting because it's giving us insight into other you know parts of the UK jazz jazz scene that are going on um, and helping to develop and nurture that. And following from what Lou said, um, from the beginning, what we've been focused on is really celebrating women from different backgrounds and different jazz genres and there really is just so many different voices and expressions that come through especially across the UK because different parts of England are different um, in, in Scotland, Ireland and Wales too so discovering that is something again such a privilege and um, what we're really here to do is really address the underrepresentation of women and that is an inclusive mission for everybody to get involved in and I think the best thing is we're having a lot of joy and fun doing that Amen. Yes. yes. <laughs> Strong work. Um, so since you guys started this, what was it, about a year ago or so? Maybe just over? Yeah, yeah. Just, over just over a year. year. Just over a year. Happy belated birthday. Um, how has your kind of mission adapted or evolved since you set out and decided, right, I want to make an impact, I want to make a significant change in the industry and the scene around me. What have you noticed that's different between then and now? And have you changed what you're doing since you launched and now? It's a big question, but I think I'll, I'll, I'll attempt to answer it in, in different, different strands. So um, the first answer is we have our, our mission has always stayed the same, but we've changed what we wanted to do within women in jazz. Um, and I think that's actually quite exciting. I mean, initially um, we started with the vision of a festival. So 
I thought, right, I just want to make a music festival and I want it to be about women in jazz, celebrating and championing the amazing stuff that's happening both in the UK and internationally. But actually, as I think we spoke about in our last interview, you know, we thought, well, actually, there's something here, there's something meaningful and tangible, like, let, what can we do with this? And how can we create a big impact uh, for, for emerging and established artists across the UK? So that's when the brand came in and actually... It's, it's gone in kind of a myriad of ways and and ways that we, we didn't really envisage would happen at the beginning. So obviously we started with our radio show, live events and workshops, um, and actually it's still evolving. The brand is still evolving in, in new and exciting ways. And one thing we've really been discussing about recently is is starting a consultancy side of, of, of the brand, which is basically helping to nurture talent, which is, already exists, but helping artists that have finished, for example, their career in um, uh, like their, their music degree or whatever and, and, and don't know how to build a brand or, or don't know that much about marketing and it's us helping to facilitate facil- facilitate those skills um, to help them uh, better their career. So it's an exciting time for us um, and there have been trends along the way that we're, we're trying to, we've been trying to follow and, and kind of adapt to but ultimately I think this year has been a year of us testing out where the need is and I think that's been really exciting for us. It's, it's definitely been exciting. And, and as Lee's talking, I'm smiling because I think it's always going to keep changing. But that's a wonderful thing. And I think that's maybe one of our strengths because in all the different areas of women in jazz, we are asking questions of what is the need? What, what is the support that people are needing? Where, what, what would be most useful and meaningful in this? And that's not only in terms of artists um, at different ages and different stages, but also in terms of partners that we want to work with. What needs are they answering? And how can we most impactfully work with them? Um, so that's always gonna come with lots of questions, but I think by asking the, the right questions, um, we're starting to yeah just keep moving in the directions that will help as many people and, and hopefully bring up great conversations that need to be spoken about as well because in this jazz space there are lots of different scenes and there's a lot happening in the industry and I think there are structures that are changing too that we're excited to get to grips with and, and also be part of that change. Amazing and I can sort of see these um, these conversations that I'll be having that we're having more frequently now whether it's uh, the female sort of musicians or promoters around me, um, the male ones as well. You know, everyone is sort of taking it on as their own responsibility and something that they are changing their emphasis on. They're really sort of looking at their programs to be like, right, is this kind of representative of a 50-50 split or as near to as we can? And I think some, you know, I think the work that you guys are doing and, you know, like key change as well, like trying to get like 50-50 split on festival stages. There are a lot more conscious conversations and awareness of making sure that, uh, that you know, female promoters, musicians, uh, producers aren't getting forgotten or like under under celebrated or under championed or overshadowed and and it'd be interesting to sort of see what kind of conversations you've you've heard more over the last year or so what do you think that people have cottoned on to whether it's through women and jazz or something else are there are there certain particular niche conversations that you're seeing pop up I mean I think the first thing to say is there's and I'm 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 going to speak uh, in light of, of of London, 
um, and, and then reach and then speak more broadly about the UK. But in London specifically, there are amazing female jazz musicians at the forefront of the scene, and they are they are there because they're good musicians, not because they're women. And I think that's a really impor- important point to make. You know, they haven't been put there as a kind of you know through a kind of tokenistic approach like they are there because they're really good musicians and hopefully that will inspire the next generation of musicians and I think that's what we're really looking to tap into is is you know just just championing that talent that is already out there um I think you know there have been initiatives that have been put in place like 50 50 it'll be interesting to see what kind of effect that has you know in five ten years time um but I think it's about finding that kind of organic talent already. I think that's the, that's the most inspiring thing that any young musician can look for. Um, I think there's been a lot of musicians on our show who have um, a kind of a common thing that they've said to us is they, they didn't have any female inspirations growing up. And so that's, and to have these musicians now who are there at the forefront, I think is only a really inspiring thing. Absolutely. and. This is a bit of a, a tangent note, um, but we recently met with someone on the festival side, and um, one, when it comes to representation in in a more statistics point of view, um, I think some some of the discussions that come up is the meritocracy argument, and something I found really refreshing that really started shifting my mindset was how do you define merit? Because actually, as as Lou said, which I'm so pleased that she did, is these artists are here because they're great artists it's not because of any other reasons and we need to keep making sure that that is the that is the reason um but while realizing that certain structural things are in place that are more challenging and being responsible for that in our different sectors and different practices but if we start actually saying okay well let's not let's just discuss a bit what does merit look like when we're taking into account different backgrounds and different ways that people are getting entry points and maybe people are accessing music in a very different way then suddenly that becomes less of a threatening question or one that has a very streamlined answer and it starts being more holistic and wide Um, and from a music education point of view I find that really interesting because we know that certain changes actually happen from a much younger age so what are we doing to answer that? Amazing. And to to pick up on a point, Lou, that you made as well about this uh, artist who couldn't pick out any female inspirations growing up, I feel like now it's all about seeing the people on the stage who reflect more of us. Because sometimes it takes to see someone on the stage that looks like you to, to even put it in the back of your mind, like this is something I can do. I could actually see myself up Absolutely. there. And I really hope and I'm sure that that will inspire, like you said, in the future years, more young girls to go, I can see myself up there, so I'm going to do this. So it's a really exciting thing to see. Oh, my goodness. Where to begin? Um, I think it's always, I, I'm repeating myself possibly, but it is always a privilege to be able to ask an artist questions about music that you have resonated with and that has reflected a part of realness back to you and granted you permission to either feel that way or be who you are. And then for that artist in the way that they speak to grant even further permission and add to that realness is something incredibly special. And um, that's what it felt like with Tank. It felt like we were chatting to a friend. It didn't feel like there were any boundaries. 
and the audience too was just able to celebrate who she is and she she expressed that she's had a lot of things in her journey that have added to her current power and sense of self and she owned a lot of her being she spoke about being a black woman in America she spoke about what it feels like to really graft at building your own art and then even being transported to another city it, it still has the same problems that you had back in your home space. So I think she was open about a lot of things that some of us even struggled to open up about. And through that, there was a lot of magic created. So thank you, Tank. Yeah, I, to, to add to that, I think the honesty was, was so prevalent. And I think, you know, Nina and I, were, when we were doing our research, we thought, okay, how is this going together with, how is this musical element going together with this element? You know, she's a poet to begin with, but how does she combine her musical structure? We were trying to think about it in a really kind of systematic way, and she was just like, I just do it. And it was so nice to hear, she, she just had such an honest response about everything, you know? And um, and how funny was she, Lou? She, like, she was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. I mean, the, I think everyone stood up at the end and gave kind of almost like a standing ovation, it felt. Um, the, the audience were really connected with her. And that's, that's the most invaluable thing, experience that you can have as an interviewer is, is, is having an interviewee there who really relates to the audience. And I think we just had fun. There was trust and there was fun, and I'm, I'm really grateful to Lou and to Tank for such an amazing experience. I think it's one I won't forget for a while. That's a, that's a condensed version. Yeah. Very. Were, were there specific poets that inspired you? Was it that one, oh, yeah. poem, that one poem? that? Well, of course, Maya Angelou. I mean, of course. I mean, she's the GOAT. And, um... And uh, who else? Uh, people, honestly, in my neighborhood, you know, women like Sonny Patterson and Asia Rainey and my own group members, you know, they inspired me a lot. They challenged me. And I was always able to pick up different writing styles and performing styles just from the people in New Orleans. Something that um, it was beautiful to read was when you, when you were talking about poetry, that it called you to be completely naked and allow people to judge your words. And I think that's such a brave thing to, to welcome and invite other people in that. So can, can you share that, a bit of that journey? It is, um, it can be vulnerable. It's scary. That's like me literally getting up here on this stage and telling y'all my like deepest secrets and then y'all put up a scoreboard and rate me on a scale of one to 10. That's what spoken word slam poetry is. You lit people literally judge you based on the story that you're telling them. And since I had a lot of that going on, it kind of gave me no fear later on in life. You know that no matter what, somebody was always going to be judging you. I walk through the airport, I'm judging people all day in the airport, y'all, it's horrible. <laughs> I had to tell myself, stop looking at people babies. You know, and uh, so, <laughs> people different. And so, um, I just had to remember that no matter what, people are gonna judge you. But you gotta do your thing no matter what, regardless. Always do your thing. Cause they always gonna judge you. Whether you're doing good or bad, do your thing. So, I keep going no matter what. I, I perform sometimes and people look at me like this. And I just think you ain't never seen a black girl like me before, huh? <laughs> All right. So, uh, but that's my power. That's power. I never saw it as, you know, a negative. 
to be this dark and when I take off this wig for my hair to be so nappy and for me to have these big old breasts and all this, you know, this chubbiness, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a power to me. It's never a negative. You know, that's how I feel powerful. I do. Let's go back a little bit, because you, you're from New Orleans, obviously really rich history and culture, jazz. Um, how has being, like, growing up in New Orleans, how has that affected your practice? Hmm. Um. New Orleans always reminds you that you could be free, you know? Um, and just the fact that we have such a strong history of, even when uh, slavery was in America and in New Orleans, we was the only place where the Africans could actually be free and dance on Sundays in a place called Congo Square and just be amongst each other. And, um, and you could just feel that in our city. It's, it's the oldest city in America. We just made like 300 years old. And you could just see the influences that everybody came. Now you could see Spain. I could see that the French were there. I could see that when I'm in New Orleans, I feel like I'm walking around Paris. You know, we still have the French quarters. Our architecture is still the same. It's different from DC. It's different from New York. It's different from anywhere else in America. New Orleans is just special in that way. It just reminds you that you could be just free. It's something about it. And uh, we feel famous when we're not. <laughs> Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing at all. We don't care when celebrities are in town. Like, we don't care. Like, we'll take a picture with you, but like, we don't care. We just feel, you know, it's something about us. <laughs> and tell us about how the band met. Oh, Lord. Um, let me see. Well, I told you about that open mic night. Oh, well, I didn't tell you. Okay, there was an open mic night, and we used to go there all the time. This place was called Black Star Books and Cafe, and the house band there was called the Black Star Bangers. And uh, we decided, like, let's go on a roll, y'all. Let's try to see if this thing is contagious, you know, if it's not just New Orleans that's feeling us like this. And um, it was us and a couple of other artists from New Orleans. And at the end of the day, I was kind of left with the band because everybody left to do other things. And um, I was Tariana Tank Ball in the Black Star Bangers, and I went, that's kind of long. Let me just shorten it to Tank and the Bangers. And it just grew on me, like, last year. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I hated the name. I hated it. <laughs> oh, man. And, and so, and how, how is the, the kind of, has your music practice changed since meeting? Or like has the sound, how's the oh sound God. developed since, since that first album? Oh yeah, it has evolved, for sure. Number one, we were traveling with one album for like six years. So if I'm traveling with this one album for six years, that means that we have to constantly transform the set just so that we can be inspired while we're doing the same songs over and over and over again. So you just always gotta be reminded that you have to make your music work for you. There's not no reason for us to put out 20 albums if nobody knew us. So we worked the hell out of this one album until people knew us. And then that's why we just put out an album like, like a month ago. Shout out to my album that we just put out a month ago. Green balloon. Yes, the green balloon. We both, but we worked Think Tank, and we still do songs from it because we love it, and we have fans that have been growing with us knowing those songs. But yes, there was a lot of evolution in the sound and in the group members. In what way? Well, I mean, you don't always start off the, you don't always end the journey with everybody you start off with, you know. Um, 
So I've, I've had members that I don't have now, but the core members are, are myself, Albert Allenback, Meryl Burkett, Joshua Johnson, and Norman Spence. And we just bring everybody else on just so we could just, you know, produce the huge bang that is tanking the bangers. Yeah, pretty much. And when it came to writing Think Tank, the first album, did it start with you and your poetry and then building sound around that? Or could you always hear the music? It started the off like I would send somebody a song, they go, better funny boy by the night, my time take me on the and take me on action, got a neck in the let's get them on the left, 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 left. And I say, <laughs> and I say, write some music today, y'all. That's how it started off. Or we'll just be in rehearsal, vibing out. Somebody always gotta keep, you know. They little phone on them, record the song, and then we flesh it out later on. Or we in a studio vibing out and we make a song. But other than that, I just send them little weird recordings like I just did for you just now, and they gonna put some music to it. Some, it's kind of hard to identify in some of your tracks where improvisation comes in, like where is it, where is it? And you know, can you talk a little bit about improvisation within your music? Oh. See, talk about improving my music. Well, like I said, I could get bored with a feeling easily. I always feel like I need to be renewed or refreshed or do something different or challenge myself. So if we're on stage and I'm tired of doing this song the same way, I will literally on the spot change it. And my band knows me so well that they'll go the way that I'm going. It's a spiritual thing, you know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll feel it. And they'll be tired of it too. You know, so we both are just, you know, just, yeah. That's incredible trust to be able to, <laughs> to flow off each other in that way and to throw something out there and have it be caught by, by the band. That's a good way to look at it. Trust. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And I guess you're right. And so with, with that, do you find that the feeling also changes with different audiences? So you'll pick oh, up yeah. from the audience and then say, hey, we need to shift this up now. Oh, yeah. First of all... Just being on this side of the world, y'all be chilling, okay? When I'm in America, before I get on stage, yes, girl, before I even get on stage. But here, y'all like. <laughs> That's different, period. So I had to learn that even when y'all quiet, y'all feeling it, right? <laughs> and I had to learn to rely on my own energy and the band. And sometimes we get that out, y'all, though. We get it out, y'all. So yeah, I had to learn some things on this side of the world. For a long time, we was like, they just not feeling us, y'all. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, so something that we do on our Soho radio shows, we ask um, artists that we bring on the show to select a couple of tracks by inspirations of theirs, be it composers, um, you know, performers. And um, we wanted to play uh, one of the tracks first by um, Layla Hathaway that you chose. Can you tell us a little bit about why you chose that track? Is this track? working? Hello? It's working, right, y'all? Okay, cool. Um, well, years ago, my sister uh, went into Essence Festival, which is going on in New Orleans right now. Just the biggest black soul festival in, I would probably say, the South to me. It's, it's amazing. Everybody's there. Everybody's there. And, um, and my sister said, Tank, I was up in the uh, super lounge and I heard this amazing singer. And she used to sing her song every day. F 
Fast forward years later, I'm just walking around Essence Festival, and Layla Hathaway says, nice hair. And I say, nice pants. And I say, Layla Hathaway? <laughs> and yeah, it was history after that. It was history. Okay. So that is the track. This is the song she used to sing too, y'all. Just the song. Just the song. that song make you feel when you listen to it? Oh, Lord. I mean, right now, like, in my current emotional state, it make me feel like, damn. Because she's basically saying, I know we had a messed up past, but if I could love you new, if I could erase everything that ever happened between me and you, we could start off fresh. Because when you don't have any past hurts, you love new. You love like you haven't been bruised or broken before. And that's what she wanted to do with this past lover. She wanted it to be completely new so they would have no records of wrongs. Ooh, I thought that was deep. <laughs> as, as you're describing that tank and also um, in, in a lot of the Green Balloon album, which we're gonna go into, there is so much realness and so much honesty and a clear evolution. Um, when, when I was reading about the album, you described Think Tank as being a 12-year-old 12, 12 you and Green Balloon like 16. Yeah. 16 and having sex. 16 and having sex. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I described the album as. Like, Think Tank, the one before that was like a little girl, and this one is like older, smoking weed, experiencing life, going out with boys, you know? Like she, I mean, that's not what she's literally doing, but that's, that's the mentality of, of um, just being older. You know, a lot of people won't accept that I'm getting older and that I'm not 
you know, who I was. They were like, oh, Tank isn't as quirky as she was before. I'm not 16 either, you know what I'm saying? Like, growing up. So uh, all you can hope for is that your fans and new ones will honestly grow with you. And, and so what are the, some of the key things that you feel you have grown in the most? Or what are the things that you started noticing from, from the first album to now in, in being a band, in touring, in that journey? I guess just um, I've learned to talk more with people about their feelings and not just my own that I get different uh, perceptions because sometimes I write with my band members and guys explain things completely different from girls. We have to write a whole manuscript and they'll just write what we wanted to say in like three words. So they're really different in that way and uh, inviting them into my world um, is definitely harder and easier at the same freaking time. I hope that makes sense. If it don't, that's not my fault. And um, going back to, to the sound, how, how it comes across, there are so many different things happening in each of the tracks on the album. Um, and one of the, one of the words that we wanted to hear more about is gumbo. So can you, can you tell us a bit more about gumbo, what it means in your no, audience, and what it means not. in the sound? I cannot. <laughs> if one more person compare my music to a soup food, I will not. Uh, you know what? We did it years ago. We used to say, we're like a gumbo, because we're so much different music infused in one pot, and now when I hear it, I just go, ugh. <laughs> it's just music. Yeah. It's good, it's sounds, it's feelings. You know, it's not gumbo. Gumbo is food that tastes really freaking good, and it do, but it's, this is not that. Mm. And, now, and that's one thing that has changed about me, that I don't want to be referred to as gumbo, mm. uh, because I'm from New Orleans, I don't, I don't need to do that. You know, um, my music, our music is dynamic and uh, spirit-led, Spirit fed, you know, and um, I, I just hope people get it and understand. And you, you, know? can, you can hear so much growth in that as well, because I think um, we've worked with different independent artists, and you do hear those early stages where trying to communicate who you are and what you do, and other people start doing that. And to hear the strength of saying, hey, we know who we are, this is how we tell our story, and it's going to change each time. That's yeah. an amazing statement to be, to be sharing. You get it. You get it, like, you just, you just touch me. Thank you. Oh, damn. I'm going to receive that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so staying with that realness, because one of the tracks that really touched me was um, there's a track um, in London. Well, I'm very curious. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to it, guys, you should have already got Green Balloon, but you're going to go out and listen to it and buy the vinyl, buy the everything. Um, but you, it takes you on a journey of, you mentioned numbness, and that all these blessings are happening around and amazing things are being received and happening. And, I think, and, and that felt really true in so many people's lives, where there's amazing things happening or being created, but there's still something going on that means that that joy or that happiness can't be accessed. But to hear someone talk about it is a beautiful thing. And it, it, it grants permission for all of us to accept that in ourselves. And, and I wanted to ask how you started writing that, were able to, to formulate that, and then put it into such a beautiful track. That is so, well, thank you. Wow. I think it happened when, um, just like I said, we had raised all this money. Because first of all, um, just, just to fast forward a little bit or rewind, 
everybody kept saying after we did all the major festivals in America that they were going to be shipping us out overseas. That soon as you get off stage, they're going to be a festival offer to go overseas. And when you're in America, all you want to do as a musician is come overseas and do your music and do your thing because you feel like if you're different, that they will accept you more, right? So everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we realized after, I don't know, about 50, 11,000 festivals that nobody was bringing us overseas, we actually was like, oh, damn. We got to bring ourselves overseas. Okay, so this is what's about to happen. We about to host these big old backyard parties in our backyard, and we gonna get all the artists in New Orleans to come through. People gonna pay, we gonna give them food, and, every, and all the money that we make from these, um, from these shows that we put on, we're gonna put it towards our fund to go live in London. And so we kept doing this, kept doing this, and before you knew it, we was on our way to London. We brought one ticket at a time. And um, so I'm sitting there in London, and you still feel like it hasn't happened yet. Like you're still doing the same thing in London that you would be doing in New Orleans. Sitting down, chilling, watching Netflix. <laughs> and you're like, man, I thought it was gonna be so different. Why I feel nothing? Why I don't, you know what I'm saying? Am I appreciating the blessing of, getting, of God getting me all the way over here? Am I appreciating that I'm here? And um, it just made me write all the time about how I'm feeling. I would always encourage people around me to write no matter what, if you're happy or you're sad, because you you gotta document your feelings. I love that Nina Simone documented her feelings because you just got to get inside of her, just a little piece of her life, just the fact that she wrote it all down. So I, I write everything down too. And did that happen when you were in other cities as well, or did you feel it quite prominently just in London? I felt it more so overseas because I, we tried so hard to get over here. And once I got over here, I was like, oh, okay. I'm doing the same thing that I was doing at home. So, you know. Okay, so um, there's so much meaning in all the different tracks. And there is also the most beautiful sense of fun. Even when I'm sitting listening to the music, I'm dancing inside. So, seriously, <laughs> yes. Has anyone seen Tank and the Bangers live yet? Yes! Okay, so there is old family, there is new family, right? There is fun. Oh, it's fun. Oh my God, it is fun. So, so where does that come from in you and the band and what's oh going on? First of all, channeled. Be, I mean, just getting to some of these stages, I, I always say it's, it's not a problem being on a stage. That's the fun part, it's getting to the stage. It's the fact that you have to go through TSA and they didn't took all my healthcare products out of my bag and my toothpaste. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the things like that and taking off your shoes at three o'clock in the morning just to get on a plane and, and somebody touching your breath. You're like, God, Lord. You know, it's the journey getting to the stage. But once we get on it, it's like somebody just put the plug in the wall. It's like, this is why we came here. And not only this is why we came here, this is why we came here. This why we were, this is what we was born to do. It feels so good. The energy on the stage, and, and I, I could walk from band member to band member and get it. When I'm feeling low, I just walk by next to them and I just and I and I get that energy from them. And um it's 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 incredible. And I, I don't know how I don't know how we even do it, honestly, because um I mean some of my band members have gone vegan recently. Maybe that's a reason. You know, 
more energy, I suppose. But me, I'm still on the chicken. So I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. Whatever you're doing, Gal, is totally working. <laughs> um, and so there were different collaborators on Green Balloon. Oh, yeah. Do you want to share a couple of those people? Okay. How, did, how did you bring them in? Robert Glasper is one of them, of course. <laughs> and uh, I was just on his uh, Chris project recently. He's going to come out with one soon. Uh, I did backgrounds with Nora Jones, and I met Mr. Porter over there. So... Um, uh, it's just putting things out into the atmosphere. You know, some of my group members will say something like, man, we working on this song. I could hear Robert Glasper on it. And I said, that would never happen. That's Robert Glasper. How, how that's going to happen? You know, um, and then those are the moments I must remember that I'm not the only person that can literally materialize and speak what I want into existence. I'm around other other creative geniuses as well. So they speak things that they want and it happens too. So that's how these collaborations happen. We speak them and we work and it, it comes to us. That's the way I live. And, um, and, and so what, what was that process? Because you know, you've got the band, you've got your family. You've got the people you've toured with. Right. So then other people coming in, what's being mixed into that? Or is, is it similar communication or flow? Um, most of the time when we, was, when we asked certain people to come in, we already had the song already mapped out. It's basically like, you know, you got all your food on your plate, but like, Robert, I'm gonna need you to add some cayenne pepper to this. You know what I'm saying? But the meal already cooked. The meal already cooked. I just need you to add your little special something to it. And so, uh, so next time, it would be cool to make stuff completely from scratch because most of the things, we already work on them, but we just invite artists in that we feel this song needs to be complete. Beautiful. Okay, so like Lou said, we ask for two tracks of two female inspirations. Who's the next one? Who is the next one? So I think it is Mickey Miller. Ooh, y'all don't know about Mickey Miller. Y'all don't know Mickey Miller. Raise your hand if you know who Mickey Miller is. Because you don't. She is... I know y'all not going to know her. I know I wanted to give y'all something that is special. Somebody new, somebody that inspires me. A woman that plays all type of instruments. The last time I saw her was actually at the Roots picnic. She was just in a crowd. So she's awesome. Just listen to her, y'all. You're going to like her. She, okay. she got that groove. That should be. That should be on there. I'm sitting here with my mind focused on you. Thinking about the way you do all the things you do. Give you all my love and my whole heart I wanna drown in your love No life got ocean full of love But all I see is you
Miller. Yay, Vicky Miller. First of all, what I love about Mickey Miller is nobody would know that she's talking about God. You know, you think that she's just talking about a relationship. And the most beautiful thing about her is that sometimes she's talking about a relationship and sometimes she's talking about God. So, and both of those things can be so interchangeable when you're actually speaking about love and relationship. So uh, that's why I love Mickey Miller. Also, props to everybody grooving. I know it's hot, but that was irresistible. Yes, it is. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so the album's called Green Balloon. What was the, and, and different tracks talk about different colors, but there's this overarching green. For those who don't know, what, what was the significance of green for you? Well, in the beginning, I just thought it sounded really whimsical and cute, you know? And then, um, like all artists later on, you know, or at least some artists, I begin to put meaning to things after they're done, you know? Um, and I thought about what I was going through in my life at that time. You know, it was like around the first time that I had ever discovered weed, you know, smoking weed and, uh, and green. And when you're in New Orleans, you know, they would say, you're as green as a blade of grass, which means that you're young and that you're naive and you don't know much and you're fresh to the world. And a balloon being like tethered down or floating away, or being full of oneself. And um, I, I thought that it was, it, was, it was the perfect thing for what was going on in my life at that time. Green balloon. And green as in money. I had more than $50 in my pocket. And um, that Damn makes straight. a difference in your life. <laughs> and there are a lot of tracks on the album. How many in total? Um, all together, it's about, I think it's like 15, but a lot of it's a little interludes because I'm just telling such a story. Um, interludes with Robert, and um, it's really pretty. I love to listen to it, yeah. I, I like to listen to it like it's not myself because I'm a fan of it. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the highest compliment, I think, if right. there's an artist. You can just allow that as though it's not you. <laughs> I mean, that's how I started off. I, um, I never wanted to just share with the world. I just wanted... I just wanted an album that I wrote with my little poems and songs on it that I could listen to while I cleaned up my room, you know? And, and then everybody was like, oh, I want the album. I want the album. Before I knew it, it was a, it was a project, you know, that I could share with everybody. But it, it didn't start off for, every, for anyone. And um, so you were talking about relationships, and that's often one of the things that music really allows us to work through is how do we relate to other people? How do we relate to ourselves? Um, and in the album, there are some, like, Mr. Lion. There's, oh. okay, there's, is there a story there? <laughs> Girl, yes. Um, there always is, right? It's about a man, a Leo, mm. Mr. Lion. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Um, it's a beautiful song. It really is. I remember writing it um, in a shack in New Orleans. Um, and I just thought that it was, it was so beautiful because this, this guy, he just was, um, he was just so complicated, you know? And I just wanted, I wanted him to open himself up to me. And you know, it was, it was really hard. And um, to me, a lot of the Leos that I've met, any Leos in the room? Any Leos? Okay, okay, now I'm about to tell y'all about y'all self according to me. <laughs> All the Leos that I met have been a little stubborn. They can always give you advice, but don't like to receive it. 
They could be your friend, but you can't too much be their friend. They won't open up too much to you only when they're feeling vulnerable, and that is a rare occurrence. And um, and uh, everybody loved them, though. People, because they just, they the life of the party. You just love them, but you can't stand them at the same time. And um, those were, the, and those are three very special Leos in my life. But, but, but yeah, that that guy was uh, one of them. And um, yeah, so beautiful song, a song that I never even used to like to listen to. But all the fans kept telling me that they loved it so much, it made me listen to it more. And um, I, I do like it. I, I do like it. <laughs> Everybody, we're mentioning tracks, so you better be ready to go see them live and buy the album. Oh, Serious. thank you. Um, and, and yeah, I really, because there was a level of acceptance as well. When, you're, when you talk about a relationship, there seems to be that level of recognizing someone for who they are. Mm. But to accept that is a whole other thing. So I definitely felt that enabled me to see that in my own space. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and so another thing that I wanted to ask is about vocals. Because across the tracks, you, there's so many different things that you're doing with your voice, whether it's singing, whether it's telling the story, the, the spoken word. How do you move between them and decide what fits where? Or is it just, again, natural? It's natural. It's just natural. And just growing up playing with my Barbie dolls until I was like, I don't know, like 21. <laughs> I, had a lot of, I had a lot of sisters, so I would play dolls with them a lot. And when they left the house, you know, I'm left with the dolls. So I get to play with all the Barbie dolls. They're my dolls now. And um, so all these characters come about while you're playing with yourself. And, um, you know, so every song got a personality. Right? Mm. You can't sing every song the same because every song got a different personality because every song got a different story. So, you know, when I'm telling the story, I, in my head, this is how it should sound. It should, you know, maybe it should sound like this. Or maybe it should be really deep and bold. Mm. You know, maybe it can be, a, down like, you know, whatever. Whatever. But it's, um, I don't, oh my Lord. That one too, Jesus. Um. But I, I, I never feel like a different person. They, it's all me. I just happen to have a lot of different variety in my vocals, you know. So it, but it's, I don't feel like, you know, I'm different people. I'm not crazy, y'all. <laughs> and tell us about your upcoming tour. Where are you off to next? Where am I off to next? Let me see. Okay. Um, Romania. <laughs> That's amazing. I've never been there before. In Belgium, in the UK, in Rotterdam, Paris, Finland, um, the Republic, and uh, UK again. So, yeah, that's great. And then back to New Orleans. Yeah. And then, and then we'll be on tour in America again. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're seeing you back in UK, and oh, everyone's going to be at the next gig, right? Of course they are. Yes, people. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We can see a hand up, so we... Yeah, do you, um, We're going to open up a couple We're going to open up a couple of questions. Yeah. Are you okay to come to the front? Because... Oh, oh, we have a roaming mic. <laughs> Thank you, Hugo. This it's for her. Hi. Hey. Uh, I just wanted to ask, how did you find Jelly? She's such a perfect compliment to your voice. <laughs> how did I find her? And we're we always astonished by her. We went to college together. Okay. Yeah, and that's where we met at. But she's not here. She is doing a festival in the States, and I'll meet her later on in tour. Uh, a lot of people don't know that she performs with a lot of people, okay. and that she's not um, 
It's not a twofer. You know, she's my background singer, yeah. and she sings with a lot of people. As a matter of fact, she's about to be a lead singer of another band, but she's still gonna travel with me when she can. So, um, but she's so funny and off and on stage, and that's why you see that energy. And it really, it really is special. So, is any background singer there today? You'll have to come and find out. Damn. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> any other questions? Yes. Uh, oh, we got one right at the back. Is that? Can you can you keep your hand up so Hugo can find you? Beautiful. Thank you. I could just hear the jazz playing. That's cool. <laughs> it's good vibes. So a lot of your stuff is really personal and really vulnerable. Um, how much would you say you write that you don't share with the public compared to how much you write in your band, sort of? I would say I share about um, about probably uh, about 50%, you know, because I write everything down, you know, up in here and up in the notebook. And when we're in the studio, I was like, man, I don't have any song lyrics. And I forgot. I said, oh, my diary is a lyric, you know. Um, my poem is a lyric, and I just put it to melody. And so obviously all of that is very personal because I'm writing down my feelings all the time. So... Yeah, and what you don't know is that's just none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are great questions. Thanks so much, everybody. Do we have anyone else who wants to ask a question? It's right here. I think it's a Leo as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a Leo. <laughs> you good? Am I good? You good, yeah. Today, today, like, I'm, I'm, I'm being good because I'm amongst y'all. Will I say that my day started out like that? No. But because I'm with y'all, I feel really good, and I feel very surprised by this turnout. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I would have put on a little lip gloss. <laughs> but, but I'm happy. I'm very happy. Thank you for asking me. You're welcome. Uh, my actual question was in your, your tiny desk, when you turned to Jelly and say, sing the damn song. Was I that did. part of the performance? Or I did, I you said did. sing the damn sing song. Sing the damn song. There's only one thing in that performance that I remember that wasn't on purpose. And when I said, uh, I said, um, who? Who gonna save me now? Who? Who? I don't know. And I looked at her and I went, I don't know, because I forgot the lyrics. And she went, I don't know. <laughs> And we went, shit, I, went, I forgot the lyrics. So that's all I remember that was like not on purpose. But everything else, you know, you're just, you're just feeling the energy of what's going on here. It's, it's always different. Every show different. Yeah, thank you. One more. We've got time for one more question. One last question. Sing the damn song. <laughs> It's amazing hearing what stands up. We've got one just at the front here. And just before, it's is it interesting to see what stands out to other people that you, you haven't in your own time? For, for sure, for sure. That's the coolest part. That's why I'm always asking people, what's your favorite song on the album? Because you get to hear why, it's, why, um, why they find it special. And it's cool to hear what people interpret your words to be, especially when you know the truth. So it's interesting to hear what they think is the truth. Yeah. 
Other than yourself, obviously, is there anyone else, any other artist at the festival that you think everyone should go and see? Well, uh, Gladys Knight, of course. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I just thought, like, I might as well see what I've never seen her live, so yeah, I mean, that's a legend. You gotta go see our legends, because, they, you know, they're making very few legends now, you know, so you gotta go see our legends. I wanna see Gladys. Amazing. And Tank, remind us, what time are you performing today? What time am I performing today? 2.15. Yes, so everybody in this room, we're going to be there boogieing. We want you to be there with us. But can you please just give a huge round of applause? <laughs> Yay! Thank you. Thank you, guys. Now I'm feeling all shy. Um, it, th honestly, thank you so much to everyone who has been in this room to join us. Um, myself and Louise um, from Women in Jazz. If you want to keep in touch with what's going on with us, the events, the workshops, listening to our radio show, it's www.womeninjazz.co.uk. And we had some cards on chairs, so check it out. We're also going to be here tomorrow with Blue Note, um, sorry, with Decca Records, discussing Blue Note's 80th anniversary and um, the female jazzers who have been signed to that label. And come and get a T-shirt over there. We have some glorious T-shirts over there. Um, so come say hi to us and just chat to us. But once again, can we please just say a thank you to Tariona Tank Ball from thank Tank of the Bangers. Woo!